Welcome to the Female Holistic Health Apothecary. In every episode here, we discuss different things that are relevant to female health. We also cover essential oils and other germane topics to female health. Flip on your diffuser and bask in the beauty that is essential oils and naturopathy. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory with the Female Holistic Health Apothecary. I hope you're doing well today. We have a special episode today. We're going to do an interview. I think this might be the first interview in ooh, two years. We're going to bring on Mary. Mary has agreed to come on and talk about her issues in her past with obsessive compulsive disorder. And she's just going to tell us about her, her history with it, what it's like to have it and where she is right now. Mary, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. How old are you? I'm 33. 33. Okay. All right. So why don't you just start at the beginning? Uh, when did you start noticing in your life that you had some OCD issues? Well, when I was about 10 or 11, I developed what my family called habits, where I would have to touch things a certain number of times. Like I would have to touch things two or four times. Um, if I set my cup down, I would have to clink it four times. Um, and I didn't know that it was obsessional, excuse me, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, at the time, we just called it my habits. But for most of middle school and high school, they were there, but they weren't very bad. And so why, what did your parents think as to why you started doing these habits of yours in middle school? They never talked to me about it. I think it was because I was anxious about school. Um, but they started developing when I was 10 or 11, and that's when I was being bullied. So I think it was manifesting itself at home. And why were you being bullied? Oh, I was quiet. I was nerdy. I had glasses, and I liked to read. Okay, and so during your middle school years, did they put you on any medications or take you to therapy? They put me on some medications. I, I don't know what they were, to be honest, because when I was little, I just called it my medicine. I did not go to therapy. Do you know what now what the drugs were at the time? I don't know what they were. Okay. They were probably your typical range of OCD drugs. Okay. And so when you got into high school, did it get worse? Did they change? Were there different OCD issues? There weren't different OCD issues. They stayed about the same. Because uh, high school was a bit better. I went to an all-girls school to get away from the bullying. And um, I was actually pretty happy in high school. So while they didn't go away, they certainly didn't get worse. Yeah, and what about college? College is where it got really bad. Why do you think that is? Um, I think I was dealing with a lot of stressors that I had never dealt with before. And I was away from home. Um, and that's where it really developed into something toxic. So what happened? So I developed what's called pure OCD when it's all in your head, when it's not actually physically doing things, like washing your hand, A lot of people think that OCD is like washing your hands a bunch or just straightening things, but that's only one type of OCD. Um, that's like the classic OCD where you obsess over something and then you do some sort of compulsion to alleviate the anxiety of the obsessing, like... like did I leave? Did I leave the the door unlocked? Did I leave the door unlocked? And then some people like wash their hands too much to to kind of feel less anxious about whatever they're obsessing over. Exactly, and that's the type that's easiest to show in movies because it's it's manifest, it's physically seen. But for me, 
I've had both, and for me, pure OCD has been worse. Cause so what's that like? Head. Pure OCD is like having a thought running round and round in your head, and you can't get rid of it, and you can't shake it. So can you give an example of that? So the one I developed in college was, even though I was not sleeping around or anything, I kept thinking, I have HIV, I have HIV, I have HIV. Even though intellectually you knew there was no way you could have HIV. Even though I knew there was no way. Actually, I didn't lose my virginity until age 27. Um, So when people would tell you, why are you fixating on this? There's no way you could have HIV. You intellectually knew that was true, but what? I had always been taught that sex is bad and you should wait until you're married to have it. Otherwise, it's a bad thing. And so in college, I had my first kiss. I was going on dates, and I think a part of me felt guilty for that. And um, so it started manifesting itself as this obsession with, I'm going to be punished, I'm going to be punished. And I actually got near suicidal. My last semester of senior year, I wasn't talking to anyone. I was just doing my work. I was basically just a, a shell of a person. And this is because of the HIV fixation? Yes. Okay. Was there any other fixations and issues that you were having in college aside from the thought that you had HIV AIDS? No, it was just that one. Okay. So how did that resolve or culminate? I came home and uh, I got out of that environment and I got into an environment where that was more supportive. Now, when you were in college, did you go get an STD test to to like I went multiple, quell your fears? And, I went multiple times. They knew me by name. But it still wasn't enough for you? They'd still say something else would come up and say, oh, what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this person had dental work when you kissed him or something like that? Yeah, so no matter what people told you or what empirical evidence they showed you, you still wouldn't believe that you didn't have HIV. Exactly. And you were still taking your medications during this time? I was taking medication, yes. Okay, so then you went back home and things got better? Things got better, but then it started affecting my driving. I... um. What happens is like it starts as just a little thought, mm-hmm. and that little thought develops and develops and develops. And one night I went over a bump, and I thought, I just had a thought out of nowhere, what if that bump was a person? Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't affect me too much at first, but as the weeks went on, it became harder and harder to drive because every time I hit a bump, I thought I was running over a person who'd fainted in the road. Now, the first bump, though, were you able to look turn around and see that it wasn't a human? I don't think I even turned around with the first bump. I think it was just a little thought. It's like you have a bunch of thoughts every day, and some of them just catch. And they germinate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so what happened? So then you were so uncomfortable with driving that you just gave up driving? I actually stopped driving. I've spent thousands of dollars on Lyft and Uber uh, the past few years. Um, it's been at least five years that I didn't drive. Now, during the past few months, I did start driving again, and I don't know how I was suddenly able to do that. It was like all of a sudden the OCD didn't bother me anymore. Hmm. And so what would have happened during this time where you were not driving if somebody like made you get in the car like your mom or somebody and say, okay, Mary, let's go. We're going to drive down the street. I had no problem with driving with people in the car because they were always there to corroborate that there wasn't someone there. But if I was on my own, I had a big problem driving. And today I still can't drive at night because because I, I worry what if that shadow was a person. 
So I'm still working on that aspect of driving. So a lot of this is irrational. It's completely irrational. Oh, yeah. And you know when you're not in the grips of it that it's irrational. But when you're in the grips of it, it's like your mind has been enslaved. Yeah. So what happened? How, how, what, other, what other OCD issues have you had the last few years? Well, the big one I've had lately has been people falling. Okay. Like, I think I hear someone fall, um, and I think they're in trouble. So I think I hear a thud in another room or a thud in a bathroom, and I think someone's in trouble and needs help. And this one has not been helped. This one I'm still in the grips of and has not been helped by the fact that my stepdad actually did fall and we wound up dying as a result of that fall. Now, you had this issue, though, before he fell and died? I had the issue before he fell and died. Before he fell. So you would just hear like a thump and then you would just think, oh, my God, somebody just fell and died? Right, exactly. Okay. And so what about, you had told me off before we started that you were hospitalized. How did that come about? Where, 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 where does that fit in this narrative? Uh, another OCD I had a few years ago when I was hospitalized was I thought I smelled natural gas or fire everywhere. Um, and so I was asking people to come smell for me. And it was making it really difficult to actually go to work. Um, and so the smell... The HIV is still, the HIV is always there. Like sometimes it goes away and sometimes it comes back. That's like the oldest one I have. And the driving and the. The the, the driving and the gas, were they concurrent? They were concurrent, yes. Okay, so you can have multiple of these at one time. It's kind of like a Ferris wheel. (coughs) So the Ferris wheel has a bunch of different carts and each cart is a different OCD and you know they're all there, but one's at the top at a certain time. And that's the one you're obsessing on. And you know eventually it'll keep moving, but there's another one coming up right behind it, and that one will eventually go around again and mm. go away. Interesting. That's a good metaphor. So so what brought about the natural gas one? I don't know where that one came from. I mean, it must have come from a mundane thought. I, sometimes it comes from reading something, like I read about a natural gas explosion or I read about a house fire, and it just tucks itself into the back of my mind. Um, okay, so what? So people were telling you in your life, there's not, there's no, well, we don't smell the gas, this is all in your head, and part of you knows it's in your head, right, because you have a history of this, but how did it end up, end up resulting in you getting hospitalized? Because I wasn't functioning and I was getting very severely depressed. Um, and, uh, my work actually was really good and they allowed me to take some time off to go and be hospitalized. Um, it was a voluntary hospitalization. So it was so bad, like you wouldn't leave your room or like what, how did it, what was so bad right before you got hospitalized? Like what what was that your your day like? My day was wake up, worry that I hear other people in the house falling, worry when I leave that I hear, I mean, I smell something that's going to result in an explosion when I leave, taking a lift to work, which was about a 30-minute drive, so it was adding up. Um, and yeah, then but, it, it, but in terms of the natural gas, though, like, so why, why, why were you hospitalized for the natural gas and not for the other ones? You said you got to the point where you weren't functioning, so what exactly were you doing all day? 
prior to the natural gas hospitalization? Perhaps I misspoke. Um, the natural gas itself wasn't responsible for my hospitalization. It was uh, it was the buildup of everything. Of a bunch of things. Okay, mm-hmm. so you hospitalized yourself or your family? I hospitalized myself. And you felt you needed to do this at this point because you were not functioning at all? Like you were just in hysterics and crying or you wouldn't leave your room? or How bad was it? It was really bad. I could barely get work done at work. Um, so I was doing it all at home. Uh, I've always been very driven, so my work actually didn't suffer. I was still on top of everything. But I was getting it done at home outside of work hours. Um, and then at home... I actually uh, moved back in with my um, my mom and, at the time, my stepdad. And at home, it was always worrying, did someone fall? Did someone choke? Basically, I'm always worried about other people. Mm. Okay, so you decided to hospitalize yourself. Was this in the same town you live in, or were you shipped to one of those cushy rehab places? I went up to Massachusetts. There's, wow. a, um, there's a hospital up there that's pretty well known for OCD and um, how long were you there I was there about two months so what was that like um it was it was very good I uh you had a very tightly scheduled day you had different workshops on different aspects of dealing with OCD you met with a psychologist you met with a psychiatrist um you had most of it revolved around what's called ERP but that's expose, exposure response prevention. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea that you have to confront whatever it is you're afraid of yeah. until the fear begins to subside. So if you hate to drive, you have to drive and drive and drive yeah. and know that the anxiety is going to be there and know that eventually it's going to dwindle. Um, mine was a big one I had back then was I had a bunch of different ones. The big one I had back then was thinking there were nails or rocks in the road that were going to puncture cars. So I had to take walks along the road without stopping to pick up things. So everything, all these fixations you had were all catastrophic stuff. It's catastrophic thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So was the place really nice? Like, were you able to take walks around the, was it like in a forest or lakes or was it, were you in confined the entire time inside? No, you could walk around. Um, It was on the campus of a hospital, Hmm. Um, but it was in a little house on the grounds and uh, you could, you had free time. Um, you actually got to know the people you were there with and they were really nice. The counselors were all really nice. The doctors were good. It was a supportive environment. And then you decided to leave or did the doctor say that you're ready enough? You're ready enough. To leave? I, I actually got kicked out. Um, you got kicked out. I did. So my OCD, I think was probably too bad for this environment. And, um, I went into a restricted area to move a wire that was bothering me. And they told me, you can't go into the restricted area, so we're going to have to ask you to leave the program. Wow. Wow. That's so shocking, too, because these places are pretty lucrative, and they, they would not, they would be getting more money by keeping you there. But I guess it was one of the strict rules. Yeah, it really upset me at the time. Um, but I came home and found a good doctor and was able to resume my, um, resume my quest toward health. Okay, and so any other hospitalizations? Nope, that's the only one. Any other strange treatments? I did have shock treatments at one point. And how long ago was that? That was about a year ago. What precipitated that? Um, I think I had a flare 
sorry, all the treatments kind of run together in my head. Uh, I had a flare of all the OCDs at once, and it was really severely depressing me. And the shock treatments were more for the depression than the OCD. Okay, so during this time, this last 10 years or so that you've had had this issue, you you were you suffering a lot of depression or was it was, I was severely depressed I was near suicidal at points um I cut myself uh the probably the worst period was my second semester senior year of college um I still am amazed I got through that and why were you cutting yourself to numb the pain to numb the other pain that you were feeling so you would actually yeah have because my pain? when I had when I cut myself I had something physical to focus on and yeah. my thoughts stopped racing through my head. Right. right. That's what they say. That's why, that's why people self-mutilate is just to, to distract themselves with a new type of pain. So what was the shock treatment like? A lot of people don't know that they still do that. They think that was all 1970s <laughs> Ken Casey, one flew over <laughs> the cuckoo's nest. It wasn't nest. scary. It wasn't like, yeah, one flew over the cuckoo's nest or something. So they put you under actually when you do the shock treatments. And for me, the worst part was getting an IV. Um, that's how they put you under yeah they put you under that way and I just hate needles and um, so when you woke up how did you feel I felt fine they would you felt a little woozy a little dizzy Mm. but you weren't in pain or anything do you feel that it was efficacious I don't I don't think it helped my depression that much okay all right. So where are you at now? And are you, are you what medications are you taking regarding this? So I'm on a plethora of medications which we're currently trying to taper down on. Um I'm on let me run through the litany. Lithium, uh metformin. Metformin is for um to counteract any potential weight gain because some of these medicines make you put on weight. Mm-hmm. Um trazodone to help me sleep. Rexulti. Uh, Rexulti is to try to tamp down on the stimuli you're taking in. Um, and Vibrid. What's that for? Vibrid is to help with your thoughts, to try to slow slow the racing. Do you notice any bad side effects from these drugs? No. Uh, I don't notice any bad side effects from these drugs. Have, do you think that these drugs are helping you? I think they are, yes. Okay, so you said recently, like in the last six months, that you started to drive again slowly. And um, right now you're dealing with the, the somebody, you thinking somebody fell. Probably but, the main one right now is thinking somebody fell. But are you, would you say you're in the best place you've been in in the last 15 years or so? Um, Was there a time in the last 15 years where you didn't have any... Fi- OCD fixations at all like you were just no I've always had at least one sometimes it's like the ovens or the stoves turned down low yeah so I've certainly had periods like that like when I was in grad school um for writing my OCD was not very bad because I think my mind was so occupied with homework and classwork so right now is a good time but not your best time in the last 15 years probably not my best time no but it's better than let's say a year ago where you were not driving yes okay Mm -hmm. You had told me that you don't like being alone in places. Do you think that has anything to do with the OCD? Yes, I think it has to do with the OCD. I still deal with the the issue about falling. And when I'm sitting with someone in a public place, then I don't get as distracted by it. Because I keep thinking, oh, did someone fall in the bathroom? Or did someone went to the bathroom? Did they come back? Or are they lying unconscious in the bathroom? But if I'm with someone, I'm distracted by that. So if you're alone, 
and you think you hear a thump, you have nobody to corroborate that somebody didn't fall? Well, I know most people aren't focusing on that, so it's not so much that. That's more for when I'm driving. Mm -hmm. This is more I'm focusing on that person and I forget about the OCD. Okay, but you've made progress in that. I've made some progress, yes. Okay, so right now are you doing any group therapy, talk therapy, or is it mostly the drugs? Um, I'm doing, I see a psychologist, he's actually um, based in New York, Mm -hmm. so we do um, Skype meetings, but I see him weekly. Okay. And so what's the goal? Where do you want to be in five, ten years? Five, ten years, I know realistically the OCD will still be there, but I want to have it under enough control that I can function like a normal person. And you had told me privately, too, that... Part of you wants to have children, but part of you is like, I don't know if I could handle children with my OCD because they could flare up anytime. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. I worry. I, I, I can look at a situation and know what OCDs I would have. And with children, it would be their safety. Mm-hmm. I would constantly be, are they alive when they're, you know, when they're asleep? Um, did they hurt themselves? Uh, did they drink something they shouldn't have yeah. drunk? And I just don't want to live in yeah, a constant you, state of fear. Even when, when you don't have OCD, you worry about those things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sudden infant death syndrome. I mean, playground falls, but certainly when they're newborn. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's certainly uh, something. So I, I, it's, I, I laud you for realizing that uh, maybe, unless this is re- resolved really well, uh, being a mom might not be in your future because uh, it would probably be torturous for you and for the child growing up with that. That's what I worry about. Yeah. All right. Well, Mary, we appreciate you sharing. Anything else you'd like to say? No, not really. Thank you so much for having me on and helping me dispel some of the OCD myths out there. I always hate it when people laugh and say, oh, it's just OCD. And I'm like, it's so much more than just straightening things. It's it's tough because certainly with the straightening things and you know do, do washing your hands, but even the, the fixations, the catastrophic fixations you have, unless you know people go through it or unless you have a history of mental health problems, uh, a lot of people just can't understand what you're going through like oh just get over it nobody fell you didn't run over somebody it's it's, people don't understand they don't understand what's in your head right right yeah so thank you for sharing thank you for having me so guys if you appreciate our content please uh one thing you can do right now is post an honest review it take you two seconds you don't have to write anything you can just post an honest review it just helps with our algorithm to get this message out about holistic health there's a couple of links in the episode notes. One is for PayPal. If you want to donate some money, we would appreciate it to defray the cost of the hosting of the channel. And there's one for Naturopathic Earth, the website. So click on that. It takes you to the website. We have tons of articles and recipes regarding holistic health. You'll notice my two books on the right side. If you click on those, it takes you to Amazon. And then anything you buy on Amazon within 24 hours, we get a 2% commission, no expense to you. So if you spend like $60 on something, we get something like, I don't know, a dollar. But it does add up and it does help. And lastly, please subscribe to The Awakened Man, the flagship channel, and uh, post an honest review over there. And do the same thing here for Female Holistic Health Apothecary and also Confessions of an Obese Child. Thank you very much. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Female Holistic Health Apothecary. If you'd like to reach out and talk to us, please reach out to The Awakened Man Facebook group and post a comment or ask a question over there. Thank you very much. God bless, take care, take care of your health, and breathe in some aromatherapy.